What's going on, everybody? Leo Cannell here with today's Seven Figures Club podcast. And today, my friends, we've got an amazing uh, couple guests for you that are going to shed light on opportunities not available or not known by most of society in terms of real estate investment opportunities. We all know the real estate market is on fire, but there's a right way to do it. And we're going to talk about the best way to do that with two experts who do this full time and manage millions of dollars in real estate investments and multifamily. We've got Nick Earls. He's the co-founder and managing principal of Winter Spring Capital, has over a decade of experience in, in all phases of commercial real estate, including asset management, sales, construction. And while building his own portfolio, he also guided a lot of different investors down the path of multifamily investment. There, as we're gonna talk about, you know, is a single family residence that you can rent out better, is multifamily better, and how you can you kind of do it passively, and they're gonna shed a lot of light on that today. Uh, Nick is also an expert on multifamily condominium development, underwriting and asset management. He's also the author of the top rated book, Making Millions Through Multifamily Development. And then we've got Eric DeNicola, did I say that right? You do it. Nicola, co-founder, managing principal, also of Winter Spring Capital. He's got a financial background over the last decade. He understands the importance of investment diversification. He began working in public equity in 2010 and then realized that uh, private equity markets where he worked on valuations and capital raising, you know, provided opportunities. And then he kind of leveraged his investment experience and expertise to accelerate the growth of Winter Springs real estate business. Again, there's so many advantages compared to the equity stock market versus real estate. And we want to dive into that today. Eric also is heading up the acquisitions team and leans on his extensive broker network to keep Winter Springs deal pipeline full. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. All right. So I'd say the, the first question here for a lot of people that a lot of the audience here that are small business owners, investors that are looking for opportunities is let's let's kind of get right to it. Uh, make the case and help us understand what are the opportunities right now? You know, as we're heading into 2022 with multifamily investment and the real estate market and what what benefits or advantages does working in the multifamily space with you guys compare to other opportunities in real estate across the country right now? Yeah, so multifamily is definitely our favorite investment vehicle, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think one of the most topical ones would be inflation. Um, inflation's okay. on everyone's mind today. Yep. Um, seeing record inflation levels that we haven't seen in the past 20 years. Um, there is actually a study done by MIT, uh, professor of economics, on the different real estate asset classes. And he actually looked at how you know differences in the CPI over time matched and tracked with real estate asset classes. And what he found was multifamily is an extremely strong hedge against inflation in two ways, both the value of the asset itself, 
goes up uh, pretty much one-to-one ratio with inflation. And then rents, not quite a one-to-one ratio, but you're, you're pretty close tracking with inflation because of the ability to raise rents on an annual basis, usually an annual lease with residential. So multifamily is a very strong inflation hedge and typically it's outperformed the stock market. So there's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons we could talk all day about it, but we've always been in the multifamily space since we started our company in 2015. One of the things that separates us a little bit from other people in this space is that we come from a development background and development traditionally is viewed as a little more risky than just a buy and hold um, that already exists. And I'm not saying that's not true, but at the same time, our nation is in a severe housing shortage, which actually really minimizes the risk of new construction multifamily if you're building in the right place. So we're local experts in the Boston area. Um, Most of our development has been here. And what we see here and what we've been benefiting from since we started our business is an influx of very high income workers in the life sciences sector. It's one of the number one or number two city, depending on who's ranking it up there with San Francisco for the life sciences sector. So we've carved out a niche here through condominium development um, for these high income workers that are coming in. They're flooding into the city. Um, You've got Moderna, one of the vaccine producers, a lot of biotech companies. So it's kind of a unique niche we've got here where lots of these people want luxury rentals, but a lot of them want to be homeowners and they don't want to live out in the suburbs like people were doing 30, 40 years ago. They want to live in the city. And so we've been building condos ever since we started our business. And one of the other places we're seeing a good opportunity right now, post COVID and even pre COVID is office to apartment conversions. We've got a project going on right now um, that, that falls into that category, which we could go into, but those are, those are two of our kind of uh, specialties, I would say. I like it, Nick. So for a lot of people out there that are building maybe a self-directed uh, 401k or a Roth IRA or something of that nature, and they're kind of building that up and they're realizing maybe they should take control and, and self-direct it, you know, make the case or, or help us better understand the difference between the real estate market, you know, going into 2022, where it is red hot across the country, it is red hot in the areas that you're talking about. And a lot of people, you know, maybe went through the 08, 09 real estate crash. What is the big difference between 08, 09 and now? And I think you alluded to it a little bit there in supply. Yeah, one of the, I mean, uh, one of the major differences we see with that verse now is just kind of the, the <clears throat> freedom of lending and the ability to get loans. Um, it was not very tight back then, you know, as we all hear, a lot of people are getting loans who maybe, or who definitely would not qualify. Definitely didn't the deserve loans them. today. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Um, that, that was a, a major uh, impetus of everything uh, that happened there. So many loans eventually went underwater. Whereas today, I mean, the boxes you have to check to get a loan as a homeowner, um, there, you know, tenfold. If, if you don't meet certain requirements, you're not getting a mortgage on, on the home you want. You have to really, I mean, you have to go over the top. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know it's, it's yes. very difficult now, um, much more difficult than it was 15 years ago and, and much, much more difficult than, you know, 30, 40 years ago um, to get loans. Um, so that to us is a major difference right now. The banks are still very cautious. 
Um, even when we're working on projects where it's uh, purely, you know, property based and they're looking at the project rather than the borrower, um, they still look at the borrower very heavily, even though they're claiming it's purely on the project. It might be an income producing property and they still look at the borrower. So I think the risk of uh, a repeat from then happening is very low. Um, there could be other factors that, that play into, a, you know, a potential downturn. But I, I think coming from, you know, a lending standpoint, I think it's a very, very low risk. So going into 2022, the market is very hot. It's been hot now for a while. Um, we see because of sort of what Nick talked about with inflation, we see, you know, the market continuing to go up. Um, it's, you know, at some point there'll be a correction. But when you're in certain markets where there's such strong demographics, there's such strong job growth, you have the life sciences industry in our market of Boston, Massachusetts specifically, markets like that can kind of shrug off corrections especially if you have the long-term view of an investor um, in real estate. So if you look back, say, you know, 08, 09, 2010, Boston wasn't hit that hard compared to other markets when it comes to real estate. Um, you know, there's a bit of a plateau for a bit, but there wasn't really a major downturn. So that's kind of how we look at it. We look at it for the long term. There could be, you know, blips on the map, but we're not you know, anticipating any major corrections, at least in the properties and market we deal with. That's uh, brilliantly stated there, Eric. I appreciate you sharing that. And as somebody who, you know, did buy a lot of properties in 08, 09, and I've recently closed on a couple of additional properties and mortgages in just the last uh, 30 days, you're absolutely right. There are a lot more hoops to jump through. You have to put a lot more money down and for the lenders, like it's much lower risk compared to where they were doing 100% financing back in 08, 09. And for a lot of financing, you're 10, 20, 30% down payment. You have to have much stronger, you know, income, debt to income ratio. So I can absolutely attest to what you're saying. The lending environment is completely different. And then the, the next thing is, yeah, there could be some pullbacks, some, some up and down movements. But overall, if you have a long-term perspective, like you guys obviously do, and you're a long-term investor, and I think that's important for a lot of people to understand. And in today's environment, people love to make these snap, you know, immediate gratification decisions with their investments, and they've got to take a longer, you know, view of it. And generally speaking, I guess my question would be, what is that, uh, you know, long-term view project by project? And what is your guys's uh, strategy? Is there an exit strategy where you take a property, build value, and then look to exit? Or what are some of the things that you guys like to focus on? And what should that long-term view timeframe be for people? Yeah. So, I mean, it's different for everyone. Um, you have to look at your individual situation. So we started the company, we were young guys, um, you know, young, ambitious, trying to make something on our own out of real estate. But if you have a good W2 job, you know, you're, you're bringing in good income. Um, it might make more sense just to invest passively every year. Uh, it doesn't have to be with yeah. us. You know, we're primarily in the development space. We're doing the office conversions and condominiums or more complicated projects. You could go with someone more vanilla. You could go with someone who specializes in retail or office, whatever, you know, kind of interests you in the real estate space. I would heavily recommend if you already have good income, don't try to get into this actively. But for us, um, our long-term view is we do condominium development, which are typically one to two year jobs where we sell them at the end. 
and we bring in a good influx of capital after every project. And then once we finish a project, we'll put some of that capital into another condominium development and we'll put some of that capital into our rental portfolio. Right now, what we're trying to do is accelerate the growth of our own rental portfolio. Um, and that we're doing that through those office conversions. Um, as developers, we kind of have the ability to go beyond a typical vanilla val value add deal. We're looking at more of a value add plus where maybe it's not zoned for residential, but we already have experience with entitling land um, to do these condominium developments. So we know how to go to the local government and say, hey, you know, it's, it's zoned for office here, but we're, we're thinking about apartments. And they'll say, well, zoning code's outdated. We, we want apartments there. We'll give you a special permit. So we do kind of the homework on there and see how we can generate an additional return um, versus a normal deal. Um, and that's kind of allowing us to, to get more units in our portfolio more quickly. So, I mean, the, the end goal for us is not having to work every day. Um, while still living, you know, a luxurious lifestyle. That's kind of always been what we've been after. Secure lifestyle for our family. And um, this pathway is a really good way to do it. Whether you're an active operator and you're buying rentals by yourself or you're passively investing, if you're able to invest, you know, 50 to 100,000 every year, that adds up quickly when you're investing in, especially in multifamily. You know, a lot of people want to go, and do it all on their own and buy, you know, 10 single family houses, but that's a big headache. You know, it, it could turn into a full-time job. So look at your own situation. You know, if you're young and hungry, then go after, you know, development like we did try to buy, you know, small multifamily properties, try to add as much value as you can get some sweat equity in there. If you already have good income, just invest passively and, you know, kind of take advantage of the situation you've put yourself in um, by having a good job. That's a, that's a very, very good point there. Cause guys, at the end of the day, you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking, where can I put my money to work? He's kind of, a, there's two opportunities. You can try to figure all this out and, and recreate the wheel that they've already created. That's working so well and spend a lot of time and maybe you succeed and maybe you don't. And if you are trying to buy five or 10 single family houses to rent out out there and you're doing it on the MLS on the regular marketplace, I'm doing the math and I'm doing it uh, across the nation. It's not working. There's not a lot of return. You might make three to 5% if you're lucky on that money. And there's a lot of headache and a lot of work and a lot of learning curve that you're going to have to go through to do that. Or you can do what a lot of, uh, I'm hearing a lot of this term lately, lifestyle investor. And a lifestyle investor is someone who, you know, finds a low risk, high upside opportunity where you can work with a group like, you know, Winter Spring Capital and let the experts who already have a proven track record and formulas for success and earn much better returns and do it passively. Passive income, we all know, is the best income. Everybody's always striving for it, but there's not a lot of opportunities out there for it where you can do it safe, low risk. And I feel like this is absolutely one of those areas to do it. Now, one of the things we've seen in the past two years is that uh, commercial real estate, with a lot of people being able to work from home, there's uh, uncertainty surrounding commercial real estate. And so you guys are seeing a massive opportunity in there. So with those projects where you can grab office space and turn that into condominiums, 
Are you looking at those condos that you build out and convert and then and sell and exit? Is there a long-term play where you can you know, earn that uh, monthly cash flow by running those out in kind of condo apartments? Or what do those projects specifically look like for you guys? Well, those ones actually, they won't be condos. They'll be apartments okay. that are rented and, and that are held on to. So, you know, in Boston, our development jobs have all been condos, just kind of the economics of, of the land acquisition and um, kind of the large spread between the high condo prices and the rents. And I mean, rents are high in Boston, but maybe the the ratio is is sort of skewed towards condo ownership. So the opportunity to develop and sell condos there is kind of its own thing. And that's why we do that. But in these kind of outside Boston cities, these satellite cities where we're seeing these kind of office conversion opportunities, this is where we want to hold on to the asset at the end um, as a long-term investment. Um, and this would be, you know, concurrent to still doing the condo development and sales in Boston. Um, mm. But something like this kind of gives us and our investors the best of both worlds, because a lot of our investors are used to our condo developments where they put money in at the beginning and maybe two years down the line, they're returned a, a nice balloon payment, a nice lump sum once we sell all the units um, or, you know, as we start to sell units, they'll get prorated amounts back. With this, we kind of offer still the ability to get their money back quickly and a great return. But then from a company standpoint, when we finish the building, we'll cash out refi, pay all the investors the preferred return. They don't have to stick in it for the long haul. They get a nice return very quickly. And then we can remain owners of this building for the long term and kind of build up our company's portfolio um, as rental apartments. Uh, that's incredibly exciting. So a lot of opportunity there. So in life, there are really only two guarantees, death and taxes. But in terms of uh, rates of return and, and targets uh, and goals that you guys have from project to project, and of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results. What are some of the uh, return targets and goals that you guys will set or have seen historically with projects that uh, you know, if you're looking for opportunities where you can put some capital, like you say, you've got great income. You're like, boy, I'm, I can. Where am I? Where can I put it? You know, where's my, the best bang for my buck? One of the thing about you know stocks is you're kind of mostly hoping for appreciation, dividends, and actual income that generate is very small generally or non-existent with most stocks, and you have zero control and zero expectation. You're not on the board of you know, you're not uh, on the board of these uh, big companies when you are participating in stocks and equities. What are the opportunities for income, uh, appreciation, and and also, you know, there's tax benefits too that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, absolutely. So it depends on the type of investment, but for our condominium developments, you'll get a, a very healthy return because they're a little more speculative. You have to sell all the units at the end. So our investors typically can expect around 20% or more um, annual return from those. Uh, and, and as Eric said, it'll be a, around a two-year time frame um, for those sort of projects. Um, when you're looking at a multifamily property that you're going to hold on to, you'd look more at maybe an IRR in the teens, you know, 15 to 18% um, would be typical for the type and, of projects. And help, we our, try help to... the audience out. Uh, what does that term IRR represent and how is it calculated? 
So I couldn't tell you, maybe Eric could tell you how to calculate. He's better at math than me. I use the Excel formula, but basically the point of it is, is to give you, it uses time um, to understand. I have this money today and I'm going to get it back maybe over increments of time, or maybe I'm going to get in a lump sum at a specified time in the future. It, it factors time in. Um, so you know gotcha. that you know, if I, you might be looking at two investments where one has a higher return, but it, maybe it's coming in at a later date, or maybe one has a lower return, but you're getting money sooner. That lower return one with the money sooner might have a higher IRR. So it's just a way that people compare investments to, it's an important metric to a lot of investors. Yeah, it's, it's known as the internal rate of return. Is that right? Correct. That's yep. right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the, yeah, for the, those two types of projects, um, we try to give our investors a pretty good return. Um, just because of what I said, we, you know, we, as developers, we add more value maybe than a typical syndicator would for the condominium projects. We're just creating buildings out of nothing. You know, it's mostly new construction. So that's the ultimate value add. And then something like an office conversion, you're adding more value, you know, if you buy it for the right price, of course, and you construct it for the right price, but you're adding more value than if you just bought an existing apartment building and fixed it up. You, you've you done no more, question. generated more, um, which then, you know, filters down to yourself and your investors with higher returns. So as an example, in one of the uh, office to apartment conversion projects, let's say an investor theoretically, you know, puts in $100,000 um, you would uh, do those value adds, you know, get tenants in there. And generally that time frame is about two years. Is that correct? You know, it, it varies, but I'd say that's yeah. about, that's accurate. Just because something like that, you know, there, there's a permitting process. Um, you need special permission. Essentially, you have to get zoning variances because, you know, you're in a commercial zone and you're now saying, oh, we want to add housing here. And it's it, the the code is written for um, businesses, you know, commercial use. Um, so yeah, it'd be about two years and, and probably the construction on something like that, at least maybe, um, like a kind of an example, we're talking about maybe about 30 residential units, um, keep some retail on the first floor. So it's really a mixed use building. That's mm -hmm. about, you know, 12 months or so construction, 12 to 18 in that range. And then the remaining time, um, especially in some of these satellite cities that are a little more friendly toward developers and want to work with you, that extra time is about six months on permitting and, um, you know, plan submission and, and that type of thing. And so now is it possible that within two or three years, you're, you're able to refinance on a project like that. And as an investor, we, you might be able to get your principal investment back and yet then benefit from the long-term uh, income uh, of that property as well as the appreciation. Is that uh, how that works or how does that work sometimes? Yeah, it depends on the nature of the investment, but that would be kind of a model where a lot of value add, if you were able to generate enough additional income, you could refinance and keep everyone in the deal and they'd still be paid the same returns as if they had their money in. That's the ultimate scenario. You know, if mm -hmm. you really hit the ball out of the park, uh, you right. can make that work. Well, very cool. Yeah. That's, that's always a, a nice uh, thing. If you can make an investment, get that principal back and then be writing it. Now you have that principal back to maybe go into your next project. Right. And so a lot of uh, awesome opportunities. Now, are there any uh, tax benefits uh, of being 
you know, an investor with uh, with Winter Spring Capital with these real estate projects. Um, what does that look like? If yeah, yeah, there are. Um, you know, a, as an investor, you'll you'll get a K one. So you'll you'll be an owner in, in an entity. Every project, you know, there'll be a new entity that's formed. Um, you'll have a proportionate ownership stake. Um, so what will happen is. Uh, and you know you you'll probably want to talk to your accountants about this. Of course, I'm not an accountant. Sure, of course, they'll have um, you know a proportionate amount of the depreciation on this building as it goes along, um, and depending on kind of how the project's structured, if you're going to take a lot of that up front, if you can, um, yeah. depending on how the tax code continues or changes over the next few years, you'll so, get. A so give me a best case scenario. What what does the best case scenario look like in terms of accelerated depreciation and? Like if you put like a hundred thousand in on a typical project, just again, this doesn't hold true to anything. It's just a theoretical example. But what does a theoretical example look like with a, a tax benefit on that K one? Oh, a best case scenario might be say you have other incomes. You have in W two income from another job. You you might be able to offset the entirety of your taxes for one year based on you know best case scenario. Just wow. you literally owe nothing you know, for that, wow. that first year of investment. Guys, if you are listening to this, pay attention. Not only can you earn, you know, double digit returns, but you also might be able to eliminate a massive amount of your tax liability personally, just by owning real estate and stocks and most other investments do not provide that opportunity. They just don't because you're not able to depreciate that asset that property, all the improvements on it. And so that is a massive, massive benefit that you need to pay attention to. And again, you can do this passively versus having to do all the work yourself and figure everything out where these guys have already done it successfully for a number of years and have a decade of experience. That is, that's the opportunity here. And most people don't know that these opportunities exist. Now, would you guys classify this as kind of a, a syndication, syndicate type of opportunity? Is that the, the term that a lot of people use? Yep. Yeah, the real estate syndication. So okay. there's two common types of them, uh, 506B and 506C. Um, the difference is, you know, it's not that important really to your listeners, but a 506B, you have to have a pre-existing relationship with the syndicator that wasn't discussing a, a specific investment. Um, the biggest functional differences, if it's a 506B, you could be, you don't have to be a accredited investor. You could be what's called a sophisticated investor, um, which means you don't need to have a million personal net worth, not including your personal residence um, or 200,000 annual income. Uh, that's if you're single, I believe it's 300,000 if you're married. Um if you want to be involved with a syndication and you don't meet those requirements, you'd have to have a pre-existing relationship. If it's a 506C filing, you can only accept accredited investors, but you're allowed to advertise. Outstanding. Well, very good. So the next step here, and this is what we always talk about on this podcast is, okay, we've learned something important. We've learned about amazing opportunities that exist. Now it's time you know, to look at taking action what would the, be the next uh, action step? Someone who's looking to put capital to work, looking for an opportunity, looking for passive income with the benefits of real estate, which makes it much lower risk than most, most other investments out there. What's the next step that someone should take who's listening to this? 
Um, there's, there's two things you could do. Uh, if you are interested in us and you kind of like what we're offering here, you could always go to our website, winterspringcapital.com and check out Nick's book that he wrote. Um, it's about development. So it's winterspringcapital.com slash development dash book. And we also have another book on there. He wrote, um, retire early through passive investing. And these will give you a very good idea of, okay, look, maybe I could do this on my own. I, I know you mentioned uh, Leo at, at passive, but you can understand the entire process with the development book. And then you might decide, okay, this is great. I understand what goes into this. This really makes me want to do it passively. I don't think I could do this actively. And then second, you get an idea of that. The other book, you get an idea of how to, um, you know, invest, purely passively. It doesn't really go into the steps about development, but if, if you kind of look through these two things and get a big sense of how you can invest in real estate, what our company does, you can decide, okay, this might be someone I want to invest with. There's plenty of other syndicators out there. Obviously we're biased. We think we do a great job, um, but the best step is, you know, find the right syndicator for you, get involved and you'll start seeing, you know, statistically, you're probably going to make money. I mean, some deals don't work, but most of the time, real estate investments have been pretty successful over the long haul. So I think you get into that first one, you see the results and, and you're probably locked in for life. Guys, this is unbelievable. I've worked with a lot of syndicates over the years and I haven't seen any of them providing this level of value and content for you to gain free education about one of the most powerful investment opportunities out there. So if you go to winterspringcapital.com, that's winterspringcapital.com, click on the education button up top, and you're going to get not one, not two, but three free investor guides. The first one is real estate versus the stock market. The second one is how to retire early through passive real estate investments. And the third one is multifamily passive investment terminology guide. And the bottom line is this, you, you know, this show is all about getting you into the seven figures club, earning more income, doing it through additional opportunities out there. And once you have some capital, if you can put it to work, literally within 10 to 15 years, if you build that capital up working with a group like this, you could legitimately be earning enough passive income to retire, manage your money and portfolio, and, and live a lifestyle investor dream life, which is what we're all about here. So again, winterspringcapital.com, not one, not two, but three free, amazing guidebooks to give you the education. And if someone provides that much value and gets results, that's someone that I would recommend you strongly consider working with. So winterspringcapital.com and guys take action learn more. I still believe without a doubt that real estate represents the very best opportunities. And there's so many markets that are hot out there, but they're too hot to try and handle on your own for the most part. And single families and a lot of opportunities, I'm not seeing the returns there. I'm seeing great returns with uh, select B&B properties and great vacation areas. And I'm seeing it with multifamily syndicates, just like Winter Spring Capital. So take action today. And guys, give us the last word about uh, you know what what excites you you know long term in the markets you're working in because that's a big factor is the location 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 what is it about the markets that you guys work in that you find gives you a significant competitive advantage to other markets out there you know our biggest current project it's a 32 unit condo development um, right outside of uh, 
kind of the heart of that life science industry sector. It's five minutes from Harvard and MIT. That whole area is booming. There are literal billions of dollars being invested in this area. Um, I think in the next 10, 15 years, Boston's already an expensive market. It's, it's going to just keep going up. And um, we're going to be building these luxury condos for those people to live in that want to live in the city. And we're also going to be, you know, looking at the satellite cities where people who can't afford to live in the city anymore, they got to live 30 minutes outside the city now and they need a, a place to rent. So we're going to be benefiting from both sides, I think, of this uh, population and income growth that's going on here. Well said. Well, Eric, Nick, thank you so much for being guests on the Seven Figures Club podcast. Again, everybody take action. Get into the Seven Figures Club by taking action on a daily consistent basis. And let's make 2022 your breakthrough year. Have an amazing holiday season. And uh, we'll get another episode out to you next week. God bless you. And thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.